Hello everyone and welcome back to Sightless Fun, a podcast about board game accessibility for people who are blind and visually impaired. I'm your host, Ertai Shashko, and my guests today are Jim and Eric from Knights of the Braille. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi, Ertai. Hey, thanks. Yeah, great, great to have you here. So before we start, this is episode 15 and it will be the last episode before uh, summer break. So I won't be posting any new episodes, at least for a couple of months. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, welcome aboard. You have 14 other episodes to listen to. Uh, However, for our regular listeners... I'm currently talking to Ryan Peach and Brian Counter. They have had a podcast called A Touch of Gaming in late 2015, I believe, which was uh, canceled after five episodes. So I'm currently talking to them to see if we can get uh, those episodes on the Sightless Fun feed because um, they aren't available anywhere and because they also talked about the same subject matter. uh, It would probably be a good idea to have it on our podcast during the break. Anyway, going back to today's episode. So today we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons again. Uh, We did this for episode 10 with Temple Smith. Uh, He was a blind dungeon dungeon master. And today we have Eric and Jim, who are the creators of Knights of the Braille. And they also have Twitch streams. But without me... I don't know, rambling too much. Let's hear from them. So, Jim, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Uh, My background in general is that I'm from Britain, as you can hear. I moved to Canada. I work for the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and I'm legally blind. And I started Knights of the Braille as a hobby for blind and visually impaired people. And I was hoping that it would appeal to people who were maybe more isolated and didn't have access to hobbies. Mm, Yeah, great. And how about you, Eric? So I am completely blind. Um, Have been through the whole gamut of of having sight, then not having sight, and going with that. uh, I work for a rehabilitation agency in New Mexico, and I teach people assistive technology and get them assistive technology. And I uh, saw the Knights of the Braille project starting up and I emailed Jim frantically and was like, Hey, how can I get involved? And, uh, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also got in touch as soon as I saw his Reddit post on the blind subreddit. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. I'm glad that he wanted to do this and come on the podcast. So Jim, you said you still have some sight left when you first started playing D and D uh, like, were you fully sighted or did you have, uh, did you go through sight loss when you initially started playing the game? I had vision when I started playing when I was a teenager and then I played again in my early twenties when I still had vision. And then after vision loss, I was actually trying to think of hobbies to get involved in and there was no one starting up any that I was interested in. So that's when I decided to get into Dungeons and Dragons again because it's a hobby that can be played without any visual cues. Yeah, yeah. And how about you, Eric? Uh, like, were uh, were you born blind, or did you lose vision 
like growing up? So I had an autoimmune uh, situation going on uh, as mm. a kid. So I had low vision when I was a kid. Um, and then as I've gotten older, the vision has just depleted to nothing over time. Right. Um, so when I was a kid, I was very into video games and yeah. loved playing <laughs> video games consistently. Um, and then like uh, two years ago, about two years ago, uh, I got to the point where I just couldn't see the screen anymore. And there was a rapid decline in my vision. And so mm. it got to the point where I was like, uh, I need something to do. I need to fill my time. And all I want to do is play video games. What am I going to do? <laughs> like, right. Um, and then, um, you know, I was listening to podcasts a lot and I got interested in a bunch of D&D podcasts and wound up, you know, finding D&D. <laughs> <laughs> That's very familiar. I, I went through the same thing. Um, used to play a lot of video games growing up. And yeah, after going blind, had to find an alternative. And yeah, board games mm-hmm. are filling that void quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do, do, you, do you guys remember the first time that you played D&D? Like who, who introduced you basically? Or did you ask your friends over? For a game, I was a player the first time, um, and it was actually because uh, at the time I was I was dating somebody who um, had a bunch of friends who was really interested. They were all interested in playing D anD D, and I was like, you know, I've listened to podcasts, so I know a thing or two, which is hmm. I know nothing, but <laughs> right. um, yeah. So i i got on, I got involved in that. And we started playing um, on a weekly basis, which eventually turned into, you know, two weeks or two times a week. And yeah, it was downhill from there. That was only about two years ago. Yeah. And Jim? Uh, the first time I played D&D, I was 14 or 15. It was in a science classroom after school. And uh, this was 15 years ago when it wasn't cool to be a nerd. So none of my friends knew <laughs> that I was playing D&D in the science classroom after school. And I played with a few friends. Um, my friend Lloyd was running the game. And that one was a lot of fun because it was not serious in the slightest. We ended up with one player who had, by the end, no arms or legs, and we were just carrying him <laughs> everywhere. Uh, it was a really fun game. Um but yeah, now we're disabled in real life and it's just, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> we don't want to be disabled in the game. Yeah, I guess it was fun for you. I'm not sure how fun it was for him. Oh yeah, we used him <laughs> as a human doorstop. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so right now, do you still have any local groups going on or do you mostly play remotely? Uh, I play remotely, but once my campaign is finished online. I'm going to take a break for a while and actually try and run live games in the city of Toronto where I live. Um, We have a few places to play and I'm going to try and get some blind folks together that maybe haven't played before and do them live. And I'm hoping that through the group Dots RPG, we can maybe get some tactile stuff to use by then, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. And you, Eric, do you, do you play with any local groups? 
No, all of mine are online as well. I have I play in two games and then I DM one game and all of them are are online right now. Yeah, I plan on eventually eventually <laughs> hopefully starting a local group, but <laughs> it's not always the easiest thing to find people locally. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, Jim, because uh you said that you started you still had plenty of sight left when you first started. Um mm-hmm. how has has uh sight loss affected the enjoyment of the game at all for you? The sight loss has made me rely more on the role playing element of the game and I'm actually enjoying it a lot more without the tactical side of combat, which is something that we can talk about later. Mm-hmm. But um I think it's more the community side of playing. Even online, people might think that you come online and then you're just hanging around with a bunch of nerds and then yeah. you know <laughs> for three hours and then that's the end of it. But uh, that's fair. We don't have one bad apple in any of our groups. That so everyone's great. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah. So Jim, could you tell us a bit about Knights of the Braille? Like, uh, why why did you create it? Where where did you get the idea, the initial idea to create it, and what's your let's say ultimate goal with it? I had been thinking for a long time about how to make a hobby that anyone could take part in online, because so many hobbies for the blind community where I live, you have to be there in person, which I understand. But I worked on the phones for a while and I realized how many people in North America live in places that are completely inaccessible and they're very much alone in terms of being disabled. And so D&D seemed like a great idea to play online. And then it was just a case of trying to adapt stuff for people online which wasn't all that difficult the new version dungeons and dragons fifth edition is very easy to adapt and so it was quite easy plus eric started helping me from pretty much the get-go and him also being a giant nerd he was really (laughs) enthusiastic to help and uh, we got it together pretty quickly and it seems to be going quite smoothly now So our main goal now is to just try and provide groups for people and solutions to playing without vision. Yeah, and Eric, what are you helping with most of the time? Mostly I just help Jim with whatever he says he needs help with. (laughs) Right. So Eric's downplaying himself there, though. I'll just jump in for a second and say that uh, Eric (laughs) used to check the accessibility of stuff. Mm -hmm. So if I had any questions, I'd send it to Eric, and he was a huge help helping me figure stuff out. And also a shout out to Erte for encouraging me to get started on Twitter and helping me out with a couple bits on there, introducing me to people. Like both of you have been a huge help. Um, oh, yeah. yeah Eric, Eric does no. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure Eric does much more than uh, a suggestion to join Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um so what what have you guys done so far? Like I know at one point we were talking about um because some people use like Word documents, they find Word accessible, some people like use PDFs for character sheets. I know that you were also working at one point on basically having uh having let's say a form on the website where they can uh fill and generate some sort of PDF, was it? Uh what do you guys have right now? If someone new like wants to join you, how do you get them started? 
people can message me on Twitter, email us, knightsofthebraille at gmail.com, visit the website, knightsofthebraille.com, and there's a way to register there. We have all the PDFs and uh, Excel documents and everything on the website, which are pretty accessible. Uh, We're currently still working on a form for the website, which could take a while, but we've taken a break on making accessible stuff because apparently Wizards of the Coast who make Dungeons & Dragons are going to be making more accessible stuff. So we're going to leave it to them and see what they come out with. And me and Eric are going to concentrate on uh, running the game, like teaching people ways to better run the game with vision loss. Hmm. Yeah, there's a a big um, there's a big difference between just making the accessible content so that people can access their sheets and making the game more accessible for people who are blind. Um, and that's mostly because D and D is classically a very it was classically a very um, visual game as far as having tactical maps right. and other things laid out on sheets uh, that people could look at, and so we're working on making accessible documents and Excel spreadsheets for people to use. Um, primarily though, when it comes to accessibility of that kind of stuff, it's, it's whatever works best for the player or the DM. Uh, there is no one size fits all. And that's, that's true in the blind world as well as the sighted world. Uh, every dungeon master works things differently. Every player works things differently. So uh, you, both of you uh, are, let's say, well, um, Jim's visually impaired still has some vision. How how would you compare the styles of, because I know that you are both running games. Um, mm-hmm. Eric, how would you compare your style versus uh, Jim's style? So what are you doing differently that Jim does when DMing a game? That's a tough question. I guess, yeah, I have a lot more things that I, I braille out. Um, to have a physical copy to quickly glance over Mm -hmm. Um, just because that makes life easier for me. I do that with my character sheets as a player as well. Um, And then I do have things on that are digitally accessible. So I have to um, kind of split my attention to listen to what's happening as well as um, listening to something happening with my screen reader. Um, In terms of differences, logistically, Running the game is different. As Eric says, he has to listen to a screen reader and trying to listen to a screen reader while listening to six other people yabber on is very difficult when you're looking for information. In my game running it, if someone is trying to look something up on their screen reader, I stop talking to them because I know that they have to concentrate and listen to the information that's being presented to them. So I don't ask them any more questions. I don't carry on. I'll talk to someone else if I need to talk to something and I'll assume they're not listening to anything I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. But in terms of the method of running the game, we're both using what's called theater of the mind, which is a Dungeons and Dragon uh, method for running the game, which is where you have no visual cues. You describe everything. And that's sort of what we're concentrating on improving as time goes on. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, earlier you mentioned like how you deal with tactical situations like I don't know combat and whatnot. So uh, I guess theater of mind also captures that and like removes a lot of the spatial aspect of the game, as in like I don't know counting hex grids, 
right. uh, hexagons on a grid. Am I on the right track here? Yes, you yeah. are. Yeah, we, we cut out counting spaces altogether um, in favor of the players, usually. So um, unless specified otherwise, you know, it's it's determined that, yes, you are within range of the enemy. Uh, we're not going to make you try to count imaginary squares in your mind because yeah. we all don't have a map that we can share. And even trying to create one using like an Excel document or something would just be kind of monotonous for everybody. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's just a lot easier to imagine a movie scene playing out in your head and describing that. And everybody has a different scene in their head, of course, but it's all pretty relative as far as, um, you know, where everybody is and what they're doing. And um, to me, it has made the game go by a lot easier. Um, so uh, I, I play in a game on uh, during the week. Uh, or I guess on the weekends, uh, with so a bunch of people who are also fully sighted. I'm the only blind player in that group. And so they spend a lot of time with the maps and with the grids. And so um, I get I get to see both sides of it. And the game works a lot smoother, uh, in my experience as a blind player. It works a lot smoother and is more fun if you just completely forget all about the map and yeah. focus on the action. And right. that has made life way more interesting, way more fun in playing this game. <laughs> mm. it, it takes the boundaries away and really makes that, that superhero notion of playing the game um, possible. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Do you, do you guys use, uh, um, I know that uh, roll 20 is uh popular website where people like host well, at least sighted people host games mm-hmm. um have you ever used that uh and do you like rely on anything uh any sort of websites like that or do you just hop onto some sort of voice chat uh i don't know skype or whatever <laughs> that you're using and then just go from there i've noticed roll 20 has gotten better uh recently Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as a blind player, uh, there are certain things that are purely visual that are never going to be accessible to a screen reader. So like visual maps and things like that and tokens and yeah. um, things that are, require a mouse to be used. Um, and so, you know, I, I use Roll20 in my in my sighted people game. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, usually I don't do much on it. It's because uh, we also use Discord for communication in that one. Um, which has also gotten a huge upgrade recently as far as the desktop client goes and is becoming way more accessible now. Um, Not on the phone, though. (laughs) But I know. The phone is awful. (laughs) Yeah, the the phone Discord app is still terrible, but the desktop client has gotten so much better over the past couple of weeks. It's crazy. Um, So... Right now, what we use for our games uh, with Knights of the Braille is Google Hangouts um, mm-hmm. because it's accessible for everybody. All you need is your browser, and um, it's it, it works. All the buttons are labeled, and everybody mm-hmm. is able to use it. Um, Skype was also an option, but we had um, a couple of players who had issues getting Skype to work properly. So, yeah. Um, but I might be trying. I might be experimenting with Discord sometime soon to see how that goes because I do 
uh, enjoy the audio quality on that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, did Discord fix the feature? Well, the feature, uh, do they have support now to automatically read text messages as they arrive or do you still need to like, uh, I don't uh, think so, but they are labeled as headers now. Uh-huh, so okay. you can quickly jump to it, um, a little bit faster, but as right. far as I know, it still doesn't read it as they come in. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and other than that, all I use on a regular basis is D and D beyond. And, mm-hmm. uh, that has been really accessible as far as information goes. Um, I haven't really tried the, the character tools and stuff like that. I usually just use it for accessing the, the dungeons and dragons books because all of the information is way more accessible in that format than using uh, PDFs or trying to scan it into a computer with OCR. Um, yeah. So D and D beyond has been great for, for information sake and, and accessing the books and the rules and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Jim, um, uh, because you're not using a screen reader on your computer, um, have you used like uh, any of those, uh, websites and yeah. no, like what, what do you like? Like, uh, you're probably like using magnification a lot. I am. I'm using a giant magnification right now. <laughs> Screen is huge. But yeah. I've used Fantasy Grounds and still continue to use that in the background. It's incredibly visual, the software. So whereas Roll20 is trying to make things more accessible, Fantasy Grounds are now going to go the complete opposite direction and make things as visual as possible. Oh, so I have trouble reading a lot of it, but it's really good for pulling up information, keeping track of players and generating players, characters and any other events or notes that I need. Mm -hmm. But I would recommend to any blind or visually impaired players out there to go and support D&D Beyond uh, that Eric mentioned and um, Roll20 getting better. But to go back to uh, briefly, you guys were talking about tactics in the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've been sort of thinking about a lot for the past six weeks. Um, people may think, oh, Jim's pretty quiet on Knights of the Rail. <laughs> I've been spending my time musing o- over how we can take what we already have from Wizards of the Coast and make it better for everyone. So... The two main things for Knights of the Braille that we can provide is groups of people and ways to enjoy the game more as blind or visually impaired player. So thinking about tactics, our tactics tactics are sort of taken away from us by not having a hex grid or square-based grid, not knowing distances and what spell covers what area and things like that. So instead of just bland tactics... Uh, Going forward for the next year, uh, I'm going to be looking at tactics as choices. So we have Mm -hmm. sort of three different versions of choices that I've come to the conclusion of, which is one that Eric's using at the moment, which is broad choices, where you give the characters a situation and then you explain it to them and then you throw them in and they can do whatever they want. You know, you can jump up on this tree or jump into this car or combine these spells and sort of use it as a playground in your mind, which mm-hmm. we're trying to get better at and better at describing as well, which is one issue that we've mm-hmm. been facing. The other is specific choices. So that's you're in combat and you have a cho- choice of A or B. 
and they can be good and bad or both bad or you know right. both good but more choices is better than no tactics and then the last thing that I've been looking at for choices is the way that we role play so when we role play we have a list of um skills so we are good at deception we're good at survival um we're good at sneaking but in combat you don't have anything like that and you have all these spells which are good for different um effects like fire or cold <laughs> but they don't give you any choice in tactics especially in theater of the mind so the other choice going forward is looking at how to incorporate the role playing element into making more choices in combat for blind players so the tactics that we don't use with things like fantasy grounds is a big problem and does make combat quite bland for us we're sitting there rolling dice saying this happens that happens but mm-hmm. me and Eric are trying to look at ways in which blind players can sort of jazz things up and make it much more engaging yeah and do you know whether wizards of the coast are working on some sort of final similar system that would be no. i doubt it i doubt it <laughs> yeah um i think they want to keep their game rules as as to the book as possible mm. uh, i mean you know in every in every dungeons and dragons edition they say uh you know the rules are there you can feel free to use or discard them at your at your leisure as the mm-hmm. dm um And so we are taking that to heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 nice to hear that you've been spending time like um, working on this problem and what our intention is is to try this stuff out, change it up week to week over the next year and then start putting together a sort of guidebook for blind players how to make the game more engaging with the rules that you have provided to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. How, how do do your players feel about playtesting this? Are they enthusiastic? They have no choice, so they can either <laughs> do it or leave. Everybody in my game has been so fantastic about um about trying anything new. Uh and it helps because I have a lot of of D&D veterans in my game. There's only one person in, in my weekly game that has never played D&D before, and I'm always apologizing to him like, "I'm sorry, this is your first experience, but <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope it's fun and he's he usually says it is so <laughs> I I will say also um that something we've been talking about as well is um also trying to provide a little bit of of guidelines to other people like sighted sighted dungeon masters or sighted players who might be in a game with a blind player yeah. or a blind dungeon master just for you know the sake of because we've gotten uh an email or two <laughs> from sighted dungeon masters who are saying like I don't know how to make this more accessible for this player but I want them to be included. You know what can we do? Yeah. And so trying to make that happen for people too so that way you know if you don't want to play in a group um with with blind strangers <laughs> and you want to play with your sighted friends or whatever uh you know the game doesn't have to um come to a standstill or be less fun for you, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. the funniest thing I see on Twitter is people asking, "How do I describe a door to a blind player?" You tell them there's a door there and <laughs> they know that there's a door there. Right. But the other oh, thing no. is small things like 
saying about when someone's using a screen reader, I'd stop engaging with them. A sighted person wouldn't realize that it's kind of difficult to listen to two things at once and that sound is very overwhelming for blind people. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you like large crowds there, Tate? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> I know Jim is speaking right to my heart right now. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I spoke to Temple a few episodes ago, he said that uh, he doesn't really play any published adventures. He likes to homebrew everything. Uh, are you guys following uh, some published adventures with your groups or are you also like creating your own? I'm following a already created area and history within Dungeons and Dragons called the Forgotten Realms, but I take a few liberties here and there. I just use as a guideline and I'm playing my first module on the side, which is an adventure that's being created for you that you use to play. But Eric has made his own. Hmm. Yeah, (laughs) I am making my own world from scratch, including... Uh, you know, cities, towns, deities, everything. And it has been quite the undertaking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you compare yourself to a sighted dungeon master, how how would you, like, how long does it take you uh, to, I don't know, organize everything versus someone who can see, like, can you remember a lot of things quickly? Or I have a great memory, <laughs> which helps a lot. Um, and I mean, there are some disadvantages. So during game, um, when I'm talking to everybody, like Jim was saying, listening to six other people, (laughs) taking notes is kind of difficult. Um, trying to have my own stream of thoughts and putting, typing it out and listening to other people. Um, and so that's, that's a place where I know, um, you know, some sided dungeon masters have a a, a little bit of an easier time because they can quickly just scroll something out on a piece of paper. And, you know, they're not, they're not worrying about listening to screen reader and typing and their Mm -hmm. own stream of thought and other people's um, conversations. But, you know, and, and I, I use a different method of, of organizing, you know, Jim, like Jim was saying, he uses fantasy grounds to track players and um, all of that stuff. And I I use an Excel spreadsheet with multiple tabs in it just to (laughs) um, track player health, monster health and, and any anything I might need. So um, I think there's a little bit more preparation. But other than that, you know, it's it's really not so difficult, I think. I think I, I'm on a pretty even playing ground with sighted yeah. dungeon masters. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nice to hear. And how about dice? Do you, do you guys use physical dice or do you rely on apps or, I don't know, some random or Alexa? I know Alexa also <laughs> rolls dice. Alexa's been smite or been uh, uh, sliding us recently. She's not enjoying our rolls. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Every time somebody rolls with Alexa recently, they've been getting bad rolls, which is just superstition, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we use a lot of AI, um, Alexa, Siri, or Google Assistant to roll our dice. Um, you know, I think some people might have. Um, low vision dice, which are a little bit bigger with high contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 
working up <laughs> working up the funds to buy some braille dice too because i want to have physical dice as well just yeah. because i i miss that um i have a whole collection of metal dice that i i love but i can't read <laughs> right. and so yeah uh, how how expensive are braille dice compared to normal dice is it the ones that i've seen were i think 80 dollars yeah they're about 75 mm-hmm. 80 bucks. oh wow how many and it's it, that's for a set so you get seven die with that mm. and it's um the dots rpg the the project jim was talking about before they've created the template and that's completely free they are just uh-huh. giving that away but you have to have a 3d printer right and so to to have them 3d printed and then sent to you it's 80 dollars. oh I see. versus um you know seven dollars for a standard set of dice for sighted players Oh, wow. I haven't looked <laughs> into the prices, but that's pretty much, I don't know, 10 times more? Kind of, yeah. Wow. Yep. Someone needs to do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If sure. I had a 3D printer. <laughs> the the apps and Google and Alexa and stuff are great. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I can't see dice to use them, but I'm quite happy to use that apps and um people that turn around and say oh it's not the same when you don't have the physical dice yeah it is it's actually yeah. more engaging when everyone hears the announcement of the dice roll so we'll be sitting playing and you'll hear um the the g-man i won't say his name someone doesn't go uh, the g-man <laughs> will say you know you got a 20 and everyone will go yay <laughs> right yeah or or I tell Jim, you know, you uh, that's going to be a tough thing to accomplish. You know, you need to roll a check for this. And he says, all right. And he, he rolls it and it says, you got a one. And everybody's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a lot more fun when everybody can hear it and can um, engage in that way. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, people who play in local games, they all do see that. They, you know, roll this check and then they they roll the dice and everybody can see it at the table. And yeah. so it's our it's our version of that, essentially. Yeah, yeah. That is, I mentioned uh, about this in a uh, past episode, like um, not being able to react with others at the same time. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, Camelop, I think that was the example that I provided. Like, it's, it's Camelop is a betting game where camels are racing and mm-hmm. it was towards the end of the race. So people have placed their bets and now we're waiting for the die to come up. Like there's a a nice uh, pyramid. Uh, it's like a dice tower sort of thing where mm-hmm. uh, a die comes out from. And uh-huh. like people, all of my friends are sighted. So the die comes out. Everyone uh, sees the result, starts cheering. I have no idea what's going on until right. all the cheering <laughs> subsides. And someone needs to announce the number so I know whether I bet poorly or uh-huh. yeah <laughs> actually so the other cool thing uh with google now that they're improving is that you can track stuff on there as well so a lot of people have asked about how do i track my character's hit points and there's obvious stuff like you can keep coins or or stones or legos or an abacus or anything but you can now get google to track so you can say hey google remember i've only got 15 hit points and then it will tell you again, and then you can change it as the game goes on. Mm, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me about this. I actually asked you. I got a message uh, on Reddit. I think yeah, he was a sighted person asking about how his friend could track 
don't know hit points and that sort of thing and yeah, yeah that's that's uh, uh you replied swiftly with all those ideas and yeah also uh going back to a shout out to temple smith uh at blind temple on twitter if anyone ever has questions he's always a great person to ask because he's the nicest man on twitter yeah <laughs> yeah it's true yeah i completely agree like and he also gets excited about everything he <laughs> shares <laughs> everything so yeah yep. temple's yeah. an awesome guy yeah definitely Absolutely. let's see okay so do you have any like particular advice for aspiring blind dungeon masters or someone who wants to get who wants to become a dm i think my only advice is just jump in you know um spend some time with the rules get to know you know your playing style and how you want to run the game uh listen to other people who run the game and go from there um there's not a whole lot you know that is is very different from a sighted and blind user just find the method that works for you whether that's using excel or word or any sort of electronic thing or if you have a physical way of doing things with braille or if you have low vision and can write with um sharpie or anything like that you know however you however you can run the game is the right way yeah i'd say two things the first is that no one cares about the rules you might be going into <laughs> D D thinking oh i gotta know all the rules no one cares and you can make them up as you go along you don't need to know a thing i have people that came into my D session like four of the players had no idea what they were doing at all and they picked it up really quickly because it's so easy and we bend the rules and make them up as we go along and the other thing is that if you go into a group and you think to yourself man these guys are really judgmental or they don't want me to join most people aren't like that and uh with our knights of the braille we make a big point of saying if you've never played before that doesn't matter. No one here is going to give you a hard time at any point. And everyone's really easy going. Our guy that runs the Starfinder campaign, Nick, is really patient with people as well. And Eric is too. So, yeah, we've we've got great DMs. And we've got another game starting up soon with another guy who's very patient. Hmm. So are all of your games uh, North America-based? Do you have any games running in Europe or because the time zone difference can be of a problem? Yeah, not at the moment. We were trying to get one going in Australia, but it's one of those things where people will be enthusiastic and then you don't hear from them again. So it all depends on how many people we have because you sort of need at least three or four players to play the game. Mm, Yeah. Okay, so if... Uh, some of our listeners want to join your group. Uh, what are the requirements? Like, what do they need to do? The requirements are that you're a, you're a nice person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you contact you, and you contact Jim, even if you've got vision, we won't discriminate. We might make fun of you every now and then for having vision, but you're more than welcome <laughs> to join. And they can. Email me, nightsofthebrail at gmail.com. They can message me on Twitter, at BrailleNights. They can um, visit the website, nightsofthebrail.com, and contact us there. If you want to check out a game, you can search Knights of the Braille on YouTube, and we upload our games there. So 
if you've no idea how it runs, but it sounds interesting and you've tolerated me and Eric for this long, then <laughs> you can always check us out on there and see how it is. Also, like if someone wants to start a group for you, they can also do that as well. Yes. Yeah, we are hungry for DMs. So yeah. if you <laughs> want to run a game, uh, contact us. If you don't have much experience, it doesn't matter. We'll set you up with a group. It, right. Actually, if you have no experience as a DM, I hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons in years, and Eric, being an experienced player, mm-hmm. uh, more experienced than I was at the time, was actually a huge asset. So hooking an unexperienced dungeon master, someone that wants to run a game, that feels they have an imagination, can tell a story, can get a group going, then we can hook you up with a player who's relatively experienced. And between the Mm -hmm. two of you, you'll be able to carry the game, no problem. Yeah. And when I started DMing a few months ago, I had no experience either. I had only ever played. And so it's, it's just as easy as getting started, really. Um on a, on a note for that though as of right now you know if if there if you apply um what we do need is you know time zone where you're at um so that way we can try to match you up with the group but also some patience just in case there's not a group open at the time just because like jim was saying we're kind of in need of dms right now to make it possible you know for for there to be groups all over the place even if it's not with Knights of the Braille, if if you're out there, you're listening, you're like, I want to DM, but I don't want to be associated with Knights of the Braille because they're awful people, then you can just <laughs> message me and say, hey, is there any players in this time zone? I'll say, sure, and I'll put them in touch with you. And vice versa, if you're a player that's looking for a DM that's not in Knights of the Braille, I'll try really hard to, to try and find you someone. That's going to be our main focus. And then on top of that me and eric are experimenting to make the game more accessible outside of the current rule set without having to rewrite anything because wizards of the coast are very protective of their um intellectual property and they don't (laughs) like anyone playing around with it and publishing it anywhere we're shortly coming to the end of this episode do you have any final thoughts uh anything that i didn't ask and you want to share we are a very small group and we're always looking for people. So if you're even mildly interested, you can always contact me just to chat, even if you're not sure if you want to join a game. We also get a lot of help from uh, friendly people sending me accessible stuff to use or try or give out to other people. If you have anything that could potentially help, please send it over our way and we'll pass it along and give you credit. And yeah, we're always very, very grateful to everyone that has helped us out and we're very grateful to the people playing in our games because then we get to have fun every week eric any final thoughts if you just want to chat with me on twitter (laughs) i'm at it's clavast that's i-t-s-c-l-a-v-a-s-t if um there's any sort of conversation that needs to happen i'm there (laughs) yeah perfect and yeah as always uh Everything that has been mentioned, like any links, uh, Twitter profiles, that will all be posted in the episode show notes. So if I miss anything, you can just drop me a tweet. So guys, thank you very much for joining me for this episode. Thank you, Erte. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. This this is our pretty much our season finale. So I hope 
well, I had a lot of fun doing this. I hope our listeners did as well. I hope you managed to find new players through the podcast. And I don't know if anyone wants to help. Uh, they know where to find you. So yeah, it, this was great. Thanks. If you want to get in touch with me, you can tweet at sightlessfun or you can send an email to sightlessfun at outlook.com. You can check out our website at www.sightless.fun. I'd appreciate any sort of feedback, what you liked, what you didn't like about this or any of the past episodes. If you have any ideas or if you have uh, ideas about guests that you would like to see in the future, just let me know and I'll see if I can arrange anything. Thank you for sticking with the podcast. Uh, I can see from the analytics there have been some loyal listeners uh, after all these months since we started, I believe it was in November. I hope everyone that's living in the Northern Hemisphere has a nice summer break. Enjoy your vacations. And remember, you can still have fun while being sightless. This episode was hosted by Ertan Shashko and edited by Alpai Shashko. We'd also like to extend our special thanks to Fighting Windmills for allowing us to use their music in our podcast. You can find them at fightingwindmillsmk.bandcamp.com.